0: And boom, we're back for another episode of Alpha Cast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the beautifully sh- um, illuminated because he's wearing the illuminated shirt, Doctor Bear Paul Lando. We both came into the office today, <laughs> pre-show, and we're wearing the same shirt. So I changed because he's got enough. So illuminated- I
1: suggested to you, Mike, that we should start wearing matching Aloha shirts, there, and really get into it. <laughs> I
0: love that. We might have to do that, man, because uh, I love to wear a, a, a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, it feels really good. And
1: you're It's al- what old couples do. You know, they match your clothing like that. You and I have been together for a while now, so why not?
0: Yes, as we walk off into the sunset, for sure. Um, <laughs> you're illumined enough for the both of us, Spare so um, yes, you, you uh, wear that shirt well. And by the way, it was really cool when I was speaking at Liberty's Horizon a couple of months ago. There was a gal in the audience wearing one of those shirts. So rock oh, on. Yeah, rock on. Um, and that shirt, by the way, is available at alphavedic.com. I think we do have a few left. That is a custom uh, uh, sewn shirt that Brighton Lando designed a couple of years back when we launched our Illumin line. It's a really cool shirt. Play off uh, Nirvana. Uh, but yeah, today is a going to be a power pack show. I'm very much looking forward to this. We've got Tom Althouse back in the house. I want to jump right into this uh, one, Bear. I don't have much to say, except I'm excited for the summer uh, with uh, everything that's going on. We've got the Ike documentary coming out on us. It's the first episode uh, that will be premiering July 2nd on Iconic. Uh, Look for the trailers to start dropping this month and also we will be announcing the official music and sky date. I had an amazing meeting last night with the partners on it. Uh, Everybody was super pumped on that event and uh, I'm really looking forward to dropping that date. Uh, what else is going on in Alpha Vedic world? Uh, just a lot of really cool stuff, community stuff uh, growing up here. And uh, I just scouted out a location for an ecstatic dance uh, little event I'm going to do up here, Bear. Maybe you can shoot up for it and shake shake your booty a bit. Uh, and I do have a Bigfoot story that goes with that. And both my kids were there as witnesses. It was crazy. That happened yesterday. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, We won't go much deeper into that. I'll maybe tell you offline or I'll tell the story later because I want to respect Tom's time. Um, If if I did a
1: static dancing in public, you would all probably get out the resuscitators for me. So I might miss that one.
0: Oh, man, don't cut yourself short. I know you come from the 60s generation. That's in your blood. Um, Okay, Uh, let's get into this. Uh, Bear, anything, any updates on your end?
1: Well, just uh, the other event in our very remote uh, um, off-grid community up here called Big Flat. Uh, we do have a neighbor who uh, I go back with uh, many years, all the way to our Hawaii times. And uh, they are having a little mini Burning Man sort of affair uh, because they have the means to do it. It's going to be quite a thing for about four days uh, right at the time of our um, event, you know, our premiere with the Ikes. And uh, so uh, we're working on doing a local premiere at that event. And I know Mike, uh, you with my son Bryden are going to be DJing that. So it's going to be a fun, uh, big flat's going to be rocking up here.
0: (laughs) Yes. I'm really looking forward to that. And I got to, um, get with the owner there of that event because we're going to put out a, a screen and project it, uh, when the sun drops, I guess, and do a really fun local premiere of that film, which came out really good. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, You and I, Bear, we're critics of ourselves. And this this is great because we got Tom in here who comes from Hollywood too. Uh, Tom, uh, you know how it is. like It's hard to put out a piece of work, a piece of art like that, and not be critical of it because we know all the inner workings of it but it came out really great. The, the cinematographer, Mike, shout out to him. He did a great job. Uh, it looks beautiful. I think it represents big flat and alpha Vedic in an amazing way. And this is just the beginning. This is just episode one. We're going to take it to the next level. I think we're going to, uh, the plan was to do three episodes. So the next one I'm really looking uh, forward to bear getting deeper into everything we're doing up here and really, um, you know, showing the world, uh, what can happen when you believe in magic and you believe in your own imagination. So that's really what we're all about. Today, Well, Tom, yeah, so Tom Althaus is a great example of that as he took his imagination, applied it to paper, and then um, really created a, a storm <laughs> with in Hollywood as it was stolen and used by the dark cabal uh tom returns on this episode we go further into the journey of thomas park althouse who was victimized by the dark forces behind the hollywood movie industry he was a young writer in his 30s when he came up with the visionary movie idea he knew right at that moment it was going to be called the immortals what he didn't know is that it would soon be stolen to become the matrix movie franchise In our first interview, Tom shared his first-person account of how Hollywood steals intellectual property for their own corporate agenda, but it goes much deeper. His ordeal traverses an interconnected web of corporations, government agents, and occulted occulted organizations that collude to control art and take any measure to silence those that would reveal the sordid truth. He discussed how the Wachowskis were witless tools and the common Hollywood practice of using talentless proxies to cover their tracks. Tom laid out how his legal challenge was sabotaged from the very beginning and his efforts to seek justice in the court of public opinion. In this sequel alpha cast, Tom reveals events and inspirations leading to the writing of a screenplay masterpiece purloined by countless other movies and shares the heartbreak of how family members and loved ones were turned against him. Tom will elaborate on the intentions and full story conveyed through his original screenplay for greater substantiation, that his work was indeed used to create the Matrix series, including the most recent Matrix 4, which I did watch this week uh, in preparation for this cast. And wow, do they just show all their cards in that movie. Finally, we will learn about his upcoming documentary film release, and plans for finally making the feature film, Immortals, as it was originally written by Tom himself. Bearer, uh, this is going to be a fun one, man.
1: Yeah, Tom, I'm um, so excited to have you today. And, you know, we had a little chat the other day, and I'm really um, enthused about going a step deeper. You know, uh, the first time when we didn't know each other that well and you came on our, our um podcast, I didn't know what to expect or to believe, Uh, you know, you hear stories, but I'll tell you after the episode, I was absolutely convinced of the veracity of your side of the story. Uh, But, you know, it was further substantiated when I went to redpillrising.org, your website, and looked at all the documents and you shared a lot with us already behind the scenes, but, you know, I've really gone through those. And I'd encourage anybody in our audience with any doubts, go look at the documents. I mean, those are the smoking guns, one right after another. And uh, so so uh, I, I'm more than a believer. I, and I also know how the world works. You know, Tom, a lot of us, we come from different um, walks of life, different professions, vocations. And uh, a lot of us now are sharing stories Um, You know, on our ordeals, uh, dealing with the control grid. And ironically, your whole screenplay was about that very fact. And and as we're talking before the show, uh, my life, your life, a lot of other people we know were like little microcosms of your screenplay. And, you know, in my field of medicine for many years, I had to work underground and, and be treated like a criminal. I also saw colleagues die, literally assassinated, people I know very well, near and dear to me. Uh, also people in uh, that were challenging the legal system. And, um, you know, that's, that's the world we live in. You know, I'm, I'm over it, I get it. Uh, we also saw your journey through the courts, Um, You know, and what I understood a long time ago is we don't have Article three constitutional courts. We have commercial courts. And unless you have changed your status to a creditor in that commercial system, you have no rights. So we saw you take uh, a very well documented case to the courts. And of course, they can do whatever the heck they want, because they aren't true um, justice seeking affairs. And, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking when you go in there and they just have their way with you no matter what. So uh, I'm really, uh, really interested to get more into your personal story. And you've been very gracious. And I know a lot of this is painful. You know, you went through some ordeals and, you know, your willingness to share some of those details uh, only for the sake of further, um, you know, documenting how you got there uh, you know, the whole trail leading up to, you know, as far as your, your whole uh, intention, your inspiration b- behind the writing in the first place and, uh, you know, up to present time. And then I'd also like to uh, maybe get into a little bit of Matrix 4 and what they're doing. And, and it's obvious that how they take your personal life, they interject it into the series, you know, just to rub your nose in it. And I know that's what they take great glee in doing. I've seen them do it, you know, many, many times with many people. So um, let's uh, maybe just get started with, uh, you know, we can go in many different directions. And I'd like to direct it a little bit, but I'd also like to keep it a little bit open ended. And maybe, um, maybe we could start by, you know, you've actually really been vindicated in the court of public opinion. Because, you know, millions of people now have heard your story with a a lot of good interviews, uh, gone and looked at the evidence themselves. They said, wow, this guy really got ripped off. So, um, you know, I'd like to... Here, maybe your experience as far as what that means in your life, getting at least that level of satisfaction, and also, I, I know evil has no shame, but is the indies, industry itself reacting to the fact that so many people now know the truth? So, Tom, thank you so much for being here, um, and I'll tell you, you are a true hero in my book. You're one of those people that's out there really changing the world and not backing down. And, uh, you know, that's the only way this world's going to change. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your efforts and everything you've done.
2: Thank you, Dr. and Thank you, Mike, for having me on. That was really touched me. What you said deeply, especially after the sons have been taken and uh, they've spent so much, it's almost like they went off their playbook and now they're just, they're reaching. They're just doing anything they can, uh, sending people to uh, disrupt and just say, you know, it's all lies and Just say, you know, narcissism and things like this. This is their attack now. If they can't address evidence head on with critical thinking and discussion, they just throw these people in that are considered deep players and they just come from all angles. And one of the things I think we were discussing, too, is that they will have people who are uh, connected to persons in our life and they'll be approached by those people and told, you know, they're offered rewards. They're also told to share stuff with a targeted individual that may be working with party they're targeting. And so it's this whole scenario that was back with Pat Robertson's organization put in place with these government agencies that were set in place to how to disrupt, destroy lives, take away credibility. And when you look at the evidence that we've gone over and appreciate what you've said deeply, both of you, um, this evidence, it can't be refuted in an affair venue with due process. We will prevail. There's no statute on fraud. And we are educating the court of public opinion. And I feel like there's a res- mantle of responsibility to articulate, stay calm, stay focused, bring forward the evidence, get through all their platforms and techniques and playbook uh, uh, moves to shut it down. That includes striking sites, approaching hosts, uh, disrupting, attacking personally, uh, even the murder of your own children. Now, we're, they, if we get by all that and continue on, we can bridge away to a better planet, a peaceful planet. And naturally, cause and reaction, what happens is there's a whole group of people now, and I include yourselves in this, that are finding better ways because we're, we've been exposed to this kind of environment. And so we're evolving into a new type of uh, creatures that are actually able to uh, withstand, tolerate incredible adversity, incredible injustice. And that becomes like a brotherhood and sisterhood of incredible people that are now making a better planet and when they are you know the other side is basically just doing the same old same old the same old playbook they're just sending players that are hired just to trash and you know dissuade and here we are bridging new frontiers and you guys are definitely doing that
1: well thank you as well so um how would you like to maybe just get maybe into your personal journey into some of the elements that we didn't quite cover last time? And I know it, it gets into areas of your personal life. And I, you know, I, I never want to pry too much, but, you, you know, you, you did say that you might be willing to share some of that.
2: Absolutely. Well, one of the main things that comes to mind right away is how do we face adversity? Where we ask ourselves certain questions if we're in a specific field, such as a writer. Um, someone who likes to bring forward art to lift and inspire not just entertain but actually whisper through it and lift and warn and reveal and also have people think of things they never thought of before and encourage them to create what do we do when we're set upon and our children's lives have been taken we have a decision to make in my personal journey my son and i had to face that decision my last surviving son and keep in mind he was asked you know i was told that cars were pulling up, government agency cars were pulling up in front. And I asked, why is this happening? They said, they're letting you know they can get to your last surviving son anytime they want. It was supposed to keep me from speaking. Aiden, who made that video that I believe you saw, Aiden said to me, you know, dad, keep going, don't stop. And if anything happens to me, keep going, don't stop, finish this. My dad on his deathbed said the same thing. So I get very moved that those that have been experiencing this treatment with me because I wrote what I wrote, because it revealed what it revealed, or had the courage enough, even my dad on his deathbed, keep going, Tom, don't stop. That means the world, that creates family to another level, family that takes that spaceship or whatever you wanna call it, that vehicle, and they're being showered bullets, they're suffering deeply, and you're blamed by it, by the deep state. They say comments like, you're responsible for what's happening to your loved ones because you didn't take the seat. You're responsible for what's happened to your sons. You murdered them, Sophia Stewart calls and says. You killed them because you uh, instituted yourself with a cult. So this is the kind of callousness you receive. Meanwhile, the other side will give golden envelopes, like I said, at a Venice Beach dinner by the Wachowskis where every member on the set gets more money than it can imagine, a million dollars. They're all made millionaires to keep quiet or to dissuade others They're posse. Hey Tom,
0: can you people didn't catch that pre chat? Could you just elaborate and explain that really quickly? What happened there? Because that's pretty mind boggling.
2: Yes, they have a system of making sure people stay rewarded. Rewards and honors is what Pat Robertson said. Well, he's connected directly to Disney through his main man, David Gyardson. And you know, talk about that later. But what happens is they do the reward system. They had a thing to do a double whammy. They wanted to beef up Keanu Reeves' image when this was starting to come out, right? And so since it was getting so much attention through the airwaves it was shutting interviews down, Keanu Reeves, they did a thing where he's doing the greatest charity in the history of Hollywood basically. What's his greatest charity act? Giving union wage members on set a million dollars each making the million dollars millionaires overnight and Harley Davidson's to all the stunt people. That's not an act of charity. That's money being being laundered through to do payoffs and keep them quiet. It's a strategy they use then at Venice Beach, Uh, neighbors said they never saw the Wachowskis at their Venice Beach home, but they show up one time for this massive dinner where everybody who was on the set gets a golden envelope and the quote was from one of the people attending, it's more money than I ever dreamed I'd ever see. Those are payoffs being done to keep this shut up. That's why you had a 20-foot rule. Have you ever heard of a movie ever? You've been in the industries, you know, 20-foot rule that you're not allowed to get within 20 feet of the directors? Well, that sounds inconvenient or unproductive, (laughs) That's
0: so weird. Was it because they smell or what? They smell like uh, rotting meat.
2: (laughs) And what do we know now? The 20-foot rule is to make sure you don't see this. Now, this is going up in interviews. The date is December 1998. Copyright office, director and specialist from that copyright office. They'll go so far as to say this date right here, January 12, 2017, is what this document's um, dated as. No, that's when they send it to me. There's the date. It's right on it. Every track employee they try. But the thing is there's the directors bound. They said this bound and sealed thing could not be refuted. And so now you're gonna see members that were paid all that money on set and given Harley Davidson's and such, millionaires overnight, that's not an act of charity. That's payoffs. Are gonna come forward now and contact people they know to contact hosts and contact others and say, no, it's nothing to this. He's a fraud. He's a narcissist. He's crazy. Well. What's going on right now is they're going to their last tactics. Their last pull is bringing in their main players. Now we're going to see the main players surface. And along with that, we're seeing main players who were on set saying, yes, that was in hand that script I held up and the 600 page storyboard and they made it up as they went along and they wrote the script after it was done. You don't see a copper matrix refute me on that.
0: Tom, when they did readings leading up to it real quick bear, when they did readings, um, so obviously the, the actors, like Keanu and stuff, they weren't given the script. Were they, how, you know how that worked? To, they were. To- yes,
2: they were shown visual storyboards. What happened is this piece right here, let's hold it up again. I hate when I do. I've been told by their contacts. So let's hold it up again. Can't be refuted. In the court of law, when the fraud, we get in there, this cannot be refuted. It predates the Matrix. This is the one version it does. There's others before it too that are this, predating it.
0: The musical scales on that picture, what is that?
2: That's the original music I wrote. They use it in the heart stopping scene where she used to restart her heart. They were very concerned about this music. In fact, their planted attorney demanded, I have the email trail I can show you that I can send you where he's demanding to get the tapes. And he's asking, is this the last one? It's like LA Confidential, Kevin Spacey. I like think it is. Is this the last one? What does he do? He destroys them all. He takes them I never get them back. Fortunately, we had copies my mom had stored. And take a look at this. Here's original tapes written when the screenplay was sent in 93 through James Boyd of Norfolk, whose affidavit is right here. Keep in mind, the attorney that was planted claimed he contacted James Boyd of Norfolk, the submitting attorney, and said that he had nothing. You don't have a case, it's nothing, he has nothing. I contacted him, he had everything. And he sent a notarized statement explaining exactly in detail how he submitted everything and in that, he included this. I think this is very telling. Anybody that wants to question the tracking number and receipt two 4000 Ward Brother Lane, Story Department, June 25th, 1993, Boarding Boy Board of Norfolk, certified letter, script, music, character breakdown. It's all there. And here's the tape. That's went with it. Immortals Transport, that music you just saw. I'm glad you asked, Mike. Lap of the Gods, Alan Parsons for the opening credits. Praying for time, George Michael. And what happened with George Michael? You have the graphic. George Michael is a witness that the work was actually a full script in 1993. How do we know? Go to the original draft preceding the matrix. Let's go to the back. I am not gonna tolerate trolls or shills anymore because my sons died and because we got the evidence that they shouldn't even be able to say a word publicly. That last page is Music Praying for Time by George Michael. Final credits. He read the full screenplay to okay this work. Sorry about the passion. Did you have a
0: relationship with George Michael?
2: I didn't have a relationship, but I know. But I mean, uh, you Uh, had, excuse me, a conversation. We had a conversation where he cleared the work. It was an important step. Before it could be submitted, I had to clear it with George Michael. He was very gracious, permitted me to submit it. So what happened to George? You have the graphic. He was murdered on a holiday because he's a witness that the work was completed in 1993. He had to see the full script to give credit for the final credits for his music in it. He had to okay it. So in 1993, he does and in goes the work under Bonaventura's orders. Bonaventura, who says still that he shepherded and discovered the Matrix story. Bonaventura, best friends Lenny Coco, who Pat Robertson had a grad student, uh, Nadia Santino. It was his father, our father-in-law. So my work gets in the hands of of Warner Brothers who still brags, he shepherded and discovered it. And he's one of the few that understands it. Yeah, he had the full script. Same time George Michael had it just before uh, Bonamantura had it. And so they had to get rid of George Michael because he's a witness to this work being completed in 1993. The whole issue right now is Warner Brothers knows they're done for their attorneys are actually talking about they could get jail time. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Bear, you know what they could face right now for all this federal offense and fraud and murder. And what happens is the attorneys, no, Avian said during depositions of me, no depositions of them. In fact, Anthony Rankin, the attorney said right here, listen to this, Dr. Bear. I will not be doing face-to-face depositions with any of the defendants. If you want to do them, do them for yourself. Does any attorney say that, Dr. Bear?
0: And this, and, and to be clear, we talked about Rankin a lot in the first show, but that was the, your attorney.
2: That was the attorney provided by Warner Brothers, I didn't realize, who was the landlord for the honeypot wife, Rebecca Northcutt, who went back to Mike Lang of Disney on my birthday, July 2nd, when the case was thrown the last thing we did as a family, her criminal record was expunged that Aiden and I didn't even know she had a criminal record. Aiden did not know his mom was a prostitute. Ex-con had been in jail.
0: Would you mind Would you mind explaining a little bit? Because we we touched on the Honeypot Wife and yeah. when you drop something like Honeypot Wife, that is uh, pretty uh, explosive uh, mm-hmm. in its own uh, and yeah. really out of a movie in a way. Would you mind giving a little more backstory on how that came to be? And, um, you know... This is tough, I know. And I know this is good diving deep into your personal life, Tom, but I think we want to, today, silence the trolls definitively. Thank Thank so if you wouldn't mind giving us a little backstory on how that all went down, because that's pretty wild.
2: Yeah, it's important. Actually, first of all, keep in mind, they actually say, contacts on tape, which will be used for the documentary, say from Disney, we put they put you in your own story. They put you in your own movie. So they're trying to make this movie the real life movie, even more intense than the matrix by putting the real author in it. That's why they did all the research and made me look like him and everything else. The Honeypot Wife, take it this way, Rebecca Northcutt, Modesto, California, criminal record, in jail, ex-con, prostitution, among other counts, warrants on her outstanding. They leave the warrants outstanding and have Anthony Rankin of Maui, who was what? Classmates with Linda Burrow of Callable Leslie and Proctor, Warner Bros. go-to firm, Also, Linda Burrow is the attorney for TMZ, now Netflix also. So what you have is Linda Burrow, and Tony Rankin says that he went to Disney World. This is the landlord of Rebecca Northcutt, Honeypot wife-to-be, goes to Disney World on a trip with his kid, apparently, right to Michael Eisner's place and Mike Lang. And lo and behold, he runs into Linda Burrow, who's going to be representing the other side. Nothing's been filed, nothing's been said how'd you come up with a discussion with your classmate from university of Berkeley and said, it's his classmate. And then Ralph Rios and associates of Pasadena, California is to be the handoff firm. Should we catch on to Tony Rankin? We are to be ushered to um, Ralph Rios. And that gets deep real quick.
0: And this was all during the judicial process of your Yeah. This is
2: before it's even filed. Okay. Ralph Rios is in place. Ralph Rios is also University of Berkeley law grad with Linda Burroughs and Rankin. They have a common friend, Frank Ayala, who works at Central West District Court. Now see this Dr. Baer too. This man is in the copy shop there, copy center, along the records department, same building, same room, right? Sensitive area, heart of the courts. And so this man, Frank Ayala is listed, we find out later as being uh, endorsed by Cobble as Proctor, Linda Burrow's firm for Warner Brothers for litigation support on his LinkedIn. We have the copy for the documentary. He also is the one that tells me, and we record it when I'm trying to get to the judge, when the case is being thrown, we know it. We're trying to fire Rankin. Rankin won't let us fire him. In fact, keep in mind, the last thing Rankin did, and I'll get back to the honeypot wife. The last thing Rankin did when, well, one of the biggest things he did was right when we fired him, gave him the letter to Germany him, refused to give us our evidence back, and then sends us our email that half hour after we fired him, he contacted Linda Burroughs firm and said, you can proceed for summary judgment without objection. You're fired. And they accepted that. They accepted that and did it. And keep in mind that Anthony Rankin says, when I'm pushing for depositions and discovery, he allows no discovery ever to be done, never. And in fact, he's the one that had the tape in his tape recorder in his pocket that matched mine and gave me the wrong tape recorder back at my deposition after seven and a half grilling hours when I was sick the flu. He gives it back to me and on it, it says that Linda Burrow is saying they will not give any initial disclosures or disclosures at all. Nine months overdue. No discovery whatsoever. They won't give it. It's a mute point to ask because they have no working drafts. And that answers the person that we were just discussing before we got on. They didn't have any working drafts on set. They don't have them now. They copied what after they shot after the script and storyboard were in hand. The actors were shown the storyboard. So Rankin actually says this and I'll read this little segment to you. This is a transcript from a meeting where I'm pushing for them to let us do depositions and discovery and these initial disclosures. You know how important that is. He says, my theory is that Warner Bros. at this point sees you as another Sophia Stewart, a fly they need to just uh, brush away. And they're going to win uh, this case on summary judgment um, and be done with it. Rankin kept saying he just wanted to give Warner Bros. everything we had and be done with it. There's a real attorney for you. And they will not make you any offers until they try their motion for summary judgment. And they're gonna produce the documents. They don't have any documents. That's what's on the tape. And Rankin responds to them on that tape. They gave me the wrong tape recorder back. Okay, we'll just, I'll write a letter so we can agree to disagree, cover his own butt and make sure no discovery is done for his classmate. And then it says they probably- And Tom, go ahead. Well, No,
1: uh, I I don't want to interrupt your flow. Go ahead.
2: All right. No, no, I want to hear your thought. I can can continue the flow. And I'll get back to the honeypot wife. But I think they're so interconnected. Tony Rankin is the attorney brought in by Warner Brothers to be my attorney to solicit me and wait to hear how he does that with Becca Northcutt brought in the same time with a criminal record for prostitution. doing so massage
0: it, therapy. So is it your wife that introduced you to Tony Rankin? How, how did
2: you After, get yeah. yeah, so get this. I didn't meet Rankin when he was her landlord. She didn't tell me about that. And he also was a landlord for Terry Beliner, Disney's Broadway director for Lion King and Beauty and the Beast who comes to me in 2005 also, and says she wants to exclusively work with me under contract as a writer, but not to worry about that first screenplay Immortals. They're all coming at the same time. Tony Rankin housed her also. So I was having meetings at his house, his estate, his mansion, without even knowing who he was, never seeing him, all set up a song and dance. And here comes Becca Northcutt at the same time. She doesn't say she knows Terry Belinner, but Rankin's housing both. It's a job to do. And the rewards are your records will be expunged and you'll have, quote, instant success in Spokane, Washington, Playground of Hollywood. Check out Lang's on Howard, the big gal on next to the Chase Bank, Howard's Avenue in Spokane, Washington. These are billionaires that are coming from Southern California to set up child trafficking in Spokane, Washington, a hub for it. And so that's what's going on. In fact, you know, there's, there's anyways, more I can tell you about that. But the thing is, let's jump to this point. Tony Rankin sets it up for his classmate, Linda Burrow with Ralph Rios in the handoff position for Frank Ayala in the court's copy center to take my call when I try to call a judge, when I finally catch on to Rankin and try to fire him and saying on the tape, you'll hear it, you gotta go to Ralph Rios Associates. You gotta go, to Ralph- trust me, you gotta go to Ralph Rios Associates. You gotta go to Ralph Rios Associates. And then he says, they were in here bragging when I was copying off their disc for them for the evidence that they have your attorney ranking in your pocket. He has your back against the wall. This is the same case as Avatar. And they brag that you have no idea how much you're being screwed and how much you're worth 500 million at this point. That's, wait till you see the documentary. Who is, who is Ralph Rios and Associates? Ralph Ria's and Associates has a paralegal named Miriam Espinosa. How is she tied in this art of war setup? Miriam Espinosa is the relative directly to Lenny Coco who's best friends with Bonaventura, who Robertson used his grad student, Nadia Santino, for her father-in-law, Lenny Coco, who Miriam Espinoza is related to. And what does Ralph Rios and associates do when they throw this case in 2014, they're throwing it? They introduce Jacob Rios, his relative, to my daughter, and he marries her. A thug who never did a lick of work in his life, wants to be a Broadway star, who's related to the very firm who was a handoff firm to finish throwing her case. That's the game they play. They wanna be clever. And they go all out and they think you're gonna be dead and destroyed. I didn't die.
0: Is the daughter from a different, um, was that from a previous relationship?
2: Yes, she was from Nancy States, who was a um, fan of Pat Robertson and was married to me when I went to Robertson's organization when this all went down. That's where Sean and Kirk and Terrace come from. And Terrace is a little girl in the Matrix story. Now I'm gonna make it Aiden when I remake it. It's not gonna be her. Mm She sold out completely.
0: Would you mind, and Bear, feel free to interject here, but I'm just curious if we could get a little bit more backstory on how that all worked when you were, you know, in the conservative Christian scene and how you came up there. Because I'd love a little more backstory, Tom. I think we all would. And how you you got to writing this script and what's led to all this. Because there's all these different names of your family Um, members and we're trying to understand. Yeah. There
2: you go. I am married. Yeah,
0: go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to quickly comment, you know, for the folks, this is a lot of information and there's a lot of detail. And for people that don't know how all the dots connect, you know, I can assure that when you get at this level of control, the circles get very tight. Yeah. So there is an integration between all of our institutions that we think of as government, uh, you know, legal, uh, the movie industry. And so uh all that Tom is discussing here is not unusual in any way. And uh you know, so People that are having any difficulty following this story—that's just the way the world works at this point. And then when we start uh, bringing in other elements of heinous crimes of people doing unspeakable things to children and that sort of thing, you know, that is all part of the picture. Now we don't need to delve too uh, far into that, but it is a criminal cabal that we're dealing with. You know, I experienced it firsthand. One last uh, quick comment, because you brought this name up two times, and I've gotten hit up quite a bit uh, with this since our first episode, and that's Sophia Stewart. And we covered it in our first episode, so we don't need to distract with that. But she was a decoy who was claiming original authorship also. And so anybody that's heard that name twice today, you know, just so you have a little bit of a reference, anything you want to add, fine. But then I don't want to interrupt what you're about to go into.
2: Let's address that real quick, and I'll go right to how it started with CBN and stuff. Uh, Sophia Stewart actually uh, was a handler of mine from the beginning. She worked for Rankin and for Warner Brothers. She's in-house Warner Brothers. And so she was brought out of USC to be a plausible first conclaimant so that people wouldn't look at the actual author when he finally finds out. So they, they get their first person forward while the author has no idea what's going on. And that way they can get the public to think, you know, nothing else to see here. She's the one they'll do faux articles, everything, and even pay people to host her. And so what happens is she's the one that contacts me right away. As soon as we come forward and, or put forward by the honeypot wife and rank him. And so what happens is, um, uh, she's the one that said, you know, you're not supposed to use Matrix, don't name it. That was the t- ploy they were going to use to throw the case. Don't name Matrix One, and that's why Rankin was used to throw it out and use it up. Anyway, Sophia Stewart, yes, yeah, she was supposed to handle me. She said I would be her missing link. That I would claim Matrix Two and Three. She would claim One, and all this about you know how you're a celebrity now, which didn't interest me. I just wanted to see us have justice, and that you know uh, we would be together now through this and everything, and uh, yeah. that's that's how she played it. She was supposed to handle me and also be initial claimant for the other side. Now, Robertson's group. I finished my college. I helped my wife finish her. She flunked out of school. She flunked out of high um, uh, college. She flunked out of her nursing school and Einstein medical. I helped her. The deal was I would help her if she would then be helping me finish my degree, you know, grad degree. And so I helped her, helped her pass, helped her study, worked on her things, helped her papers. And so we end up going to Pat Robertson's organization. We're called by Bob Slosser, the president of the school. You gotta come here, you're supposed to come here. So we go. My family was religious right background basically. And basically I didn't have a choice. I have to go to a religious university. All right, fine, I'll be a good boy. So I go, right away I find out what's going on. It is not what's presented to the public. They have um, unlicensed armed security force, which is traded with Virginia Police Department. And they have the seal on the badge. They're not supposed to, you know, but they do anyway. They thumb all their nose at all the laws. Loaded magnums. They're not licensed to carry automatic weapons. These are like Goon Squad, many of them. I go there and I'm being risen up through the ranks very quickly. Uh, cable program, all kinds of stuff. I want to do this for my kids. We have three kids at this point uh, Sean, Kirk, and Terrace. And I told them, I said, I need to study hard and I can get you a better life and I'm gonna work hard to do that. Daddy's gonna work hard. And they did, they listened. And so then we find out that there's a sex ring, a sex ring operating at Pat Robertson's organization. I was coming up fast. If you rise to the ranks and you have a certain look, then the sex ring wants to use you. You're invited in. In a sense, you're given position and then it sprung on you. It was sprung on me when I was in um, a motor home of Dr. Sova from now Liberty University who took me up to the motorhome and expelled everything on Pat Robertson. That's when the nightmare began. Suddenly I realized everything on the inside. Yes, there's a sex ring. Yes, at Campsville Presbyterian Church in Virginia Beach, the pastor came forward and admitted to the congregation that he had sex with Pat Robertson and the head of the university. That's where they had to control a 2,000 population congregation and put this head of PR, Robertson's head of PR in charge of that congregation, Campsville Presbyterian Church. And that's very, very- <laughs> Wow. Yeah, well, here's. Do the people
0: topic. know about this? Because I remember some a lot of stuff about Pat Robertson, but I remind us. Did, did this all come out?
2: I'm just bringing it out now because I just put all the pieces together. Let's take a look at it right here. <laughs> just a,
0: just a, a side note tangent here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look at this right here. I'm going to hold it up. Then I'm going to read it to you so people can screenshot this if they want. Take a look at the verbiage and the language when you get a chance, and I'll read it to you right now. I'll read fast. Now let's read what it says. This is David Geiertson, Robertson's top PR person, David J. Geiertson, his personal resume. He puts it online and then writes on the bottom confidential. Sorry, David, you put it online, you posted it. So here's what happens. June 1985 to May 1986, Kempsville Presbyterian Church, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Robertson's biggest skeleton in the closet, this will make him fall. Interman senior minister served as the interman senior minister for a 2000 member PCUSA congregation while they searched for a new pastor. Supervised a staff of about 20 full time employees and ministers and managed a budget of about 1.5 million, expensive cover up. Stabilized, con- stabilized the congregation after the loss of the previous pastor due to a moral failure. Provided direction for the development of a new strategic plan. And assisted with the transition to a new senior minister left when new senior minister was identified and installed but that took over a year what happened was yes as sova told me on the trip when he was trying to get me to sleep with him in the sex ring he said it goes all the way to the top to pat roberts in fact the pastor at kemsville presbyterian church went forward and confessed to his congregation that he had sexual relations with pat robertson and sexual relations with the head of his university pat robertson put that head of the university in charge of it because he was part of his sex ring, engaged in sexual activity with him. I was being groomed to be Robertson's face of the Christian coalition, his main boy. And you can imagine what else. That's what we have on him. Now, when my story breaks at uh, Robertson's organization that this trip happened and I was approached sexually, in fact, the interrogation scene in the matrix, the first one they shoot is because it's the first one I write in the Immortals. And that interrogation scene is what I went through When they found out I had been approached, they wanted to know everything that Harry Sova told me on that trip. What do you tell you about Robertson organization the sex ring? That's all they wanted to know. But they didn't want to know anything about what happened to me personally. The pencil did not move in the meeting. And then I crafted a letter saying I lost everything. During the time when we're coming forward to address this issue, April, 1990 to June, 1993, keep in mind my pitch session. When is my work sent out? Uh, June, 1993. So the submission letter that you saw from um, James Boyd in Norfolk, who submits my work, look at the dates, June, 1993. And he stays there till June, 1993. This cover man artist, the one who's the cleanup man, Robertson's top man, PR man, who deals with shutting people up and covering over cover-ups, became the president to serve there to make sure that nothing got out during the casework regarding what Robertson had done to me and how I sexually approached. So off he goes. Now, how does my work get to Hollywood? Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson makes my screenplay go directly to the story development department at Disney and Universal Studios. Anybody wonder if it's been ripped off? How does somebody on the East Coast in Robertson's organization, an adjunct professor, Ned Vankovich, and his model management wife, who's a model, Judy Nankovich, get my work? They called me and said, It's terrible what Robertson did to you. I lost everything jobs, education. Robertson doesn't let his victims have a voice, he destroys his victims to make sure his cover ups, like Kempstow Presbyterian Church, stay covered up. And those people at that church had meetings by that 20 person staff under Guyerson, PR person, for a year, meeting after meeting. Don't ever talk about what that pastor said, or you'll drag the church through the mud. Quote, you'll drag the church through the mud and you'll hurt a wonderful man, Pat Robertson. So here's how David Guyardson made sure my script ended up in the hands of Disney and Universal Studios and how, Ned, Judy, Judy Nekevich, uh, what, an adjunct professor and a model manager, get top positions at Disney's story development departments? and Universal? Consultant, mentoring project, Hollywood, California, Burbank, California. This is David Geirtson. Leadership coach, administrative consultant, sodium entertainment production, Burbank, California. Leadership coach, president, Westmont College, Santa Barbara, California, and on and on and goes. And you know what? After they got my script and took it to them, they sent me lots of messages. And here it is for the documentary. This is handwritten by Ned and Judy Nankovich bragging about how they had the top positions at Disney World. On the backs, another note, there's a lot in here. Disney letterhead. There it is again, Tom, lots of love, Judy, Ned. They took my work and gave it right to their hands. And Mike Lang in 1993, is that's when he's formed the strategy for Becca Northcutt, next an con, and also with warrants outstanding on her. Rankin, the rest, it was Michael Eisner that put the intellectual property theft in motion. Forming Miramax Films in 1993 with Mike Lang of Disney, who then takes the other the wife to bed on my birthday, in 2016, July 2nd, calling her home after all the cases have been thrown. And Mike Lang is Harvey Weinstein's boss. That's why Harvey Weinstein received all the public attention, but not Mike Lang. Harvey Weinstein's supposed to take the fall with a great reward after, so that Mike Lang never shows up on the radar. And this has been going on this way, so. Ned and Judy Nankovich, if you look at them now, they list all kinds of credentials, all kinds of things on the resume, but glaringly missing is their coveted positions at Disney's story development department and at Universal Story. Why would you put that off your resume? Why wouldn't you add that? They don't want it on there because it reveals Rob Robinson in bed with Michael Eisner. Holy smokes. It's gonna be a documentary. It's gonna be a documentary. And is there any, any, any debate, Mike? Dr. Bear, is there any debate that this is not authentic and I'm gonna get serious? And the date does precede the matrix. The train station scene, liquid mirrors, jacks the neck, red pill, blue pill, underground, identical figures at the end, false wave coming out, earth turning green, little girl pointing the sun. Is there any question whatsoever? My son's died for this. Yes, I'm passionate and I'll see it through and thanks for having me on, but I'm not playing games anymore. These clowns are going down. Joel Silver, Michael Eisner, FBI, Pat Robertson. We've got you and I'm pissed. Yes, I'm pissed. My son's died their dear blood shed for your bastard work and your theft of many, many people. And yeah, I'm angry. Yeah, I'm angry.
1: Wow. Um, I'm speechless. Uh, so what we're seeing here is a nexus within the criminal cabal that uses the movie industry and other institutions as a front. And of course, what better way or what better front than as a Christian faith? You got it. And you I've seen it. I've seen that time and time again. It's time. So to- that's. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, the truth is, yeah, the truth is coming out in so many ways. So have you uh, going back to my original question at the beginning of this interview, have you seen any fracturing? uh, Yeah, within within their control grid, because of the public awareness that is growing by the day and your efforts that have contributed to that?
2: I apologize for losing my temper on the air, but I, I, in honor of my sons, I'm not apologizing for that because oh, this-
1: uh, I uh, would, stop. Yeah, in your shoes, I would, uh, <laughs> I would be beyond anger. So no apologies necessary.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Because yes, I'm seeing them fracture. I got Sophia Stewart's main guy contacting me now saying, you know, I'm with you now I'm going to help you. I mean, I, I'll know all about this about Sophie Stewart. And I'm like, they're all coming now this direction, fracturing from inner, inner circles, fight choreographer from set of matrix. That's why they're sending their people out again. Keep in mind that Larry Wachowski says in his uh, court testimony regarding, um, you know this whole thing about uh, his divorce hearing and trying to set back his date on when he created supposedly my work, it's putting it sometime in 1993, I have the exact date. I've got the copyrights. And so he's trying to say that it precedes his wife, the creation of it. But at first he announced it didn't. He claimed his posse came to his door. His, his set, can you imagine all his set people coming to his door and saying, wait, Larry, you didn't create it after your marriage, you created it before your marriage. Really? Let me change my sworn testimony. Then when I appear, Dr. Bear, granted under their control with their attorneys, he says it again, he says they came again to his door and told him, wait, wait, it wasn't that thing we reminded you of. It's actually sometime in 93. Thank you, people from the set. Let me change my sworn testimony again. Sometime in 93, I created just in case Tom actually gets dates. The game is up, it's over. Keep in mind that the Wachowski said in an article in 95, they failed as writers in Hollywood, they'd have to pack their bags and leave. Why? 1995 if you wrote this thing in 93 then why are you leaving but they said they hope to be given the science project that's their own words that's their own words wow yeah they had plastic man and carnivore all along but never produced even now you think that writers that had their door opener work why would you sit on it and why did joel silver claim and sworn testimony through uh thea bloom or not Thea bloom uh theresa wayne who replaced um Diane Bellis at the story department who was submitted to by um, Boyd and Norfolk. When Boyd and Norfolk submitted to Diane Bellis, they got rid of her right away and put Thea Bloom for the cover-up just like David Geyerson's put up the cover-up for Robertson. And so what happens is you have Thea Bloom testifying that Joel Silver submitted in 1994 this story. In 1994, sans Wachowskis, there's no Wachowskis. They haven't been selected yet to take it. In fact, they weren't the first choice. Wendy Wasserstein was the famous Jewish playwright, for uh, Heidi Chronicles, mm-hmm. was, and they actually did the copyright entries in the copyright office saying uh, Immortals title, Army of Darkness subtitle, Army of Darkness, all these other subtitles. And then it says, Wendy Wasserstein, commissioned by Warner Brothers to write The Immortals. You don't even have a script. You're commissioning someone to steal it. And the Wachowskis put up such a fuss after they were taken off the project for assassins that they were given uh, the Immortals. And that's when you first start to see the Matrix title appear. They weren't supposed to use Matrix. They were supposed to use one of these titles in the copyright office under Immortals. Copyright office. See all those titles? 342 with Army of Darkness. Now you expect to see my name under the Immortals, right? De Laurentiis, Paradise Films. De Laurentiis who wine and dine the Wachowskis and promised them starlets, money, fortune, fame, and success. That's who's under my title. And where's my title? My title's on my original script, which precedes them all. The Immortals. Dean Laurentiis, it's not your work. You can't just put a title. Why and I and the Wachowskis think you got a gold mine and put my title without any body of work with all those subtitles so studios can take it. And let's look at what Dean Laurentis does later. First of all, here's the Wachowskis. Assassins, full body of work, with Dino Paradise Films. Let's look again. My title, The Immortals, Copyright Office, all the subtitles, Dina Laurentis, who just was on Assassins with the Wachowskis. Assassins failed it. Uh, Wachowskis had to have another writer brought in because they did so badly. So they're not on that one. And then we go to here, when I come to Hollywood, Immortals, same titles, little more titles. And it's under the ownership of the investment firms. Where's Dean Laurentis? He now puts it under the investment firm's ownership. So the investment firms created and somehow got a bug for writing and did the immortals. Is there any questions? Is there any questions of the validity of what we have? Is there any questions of a screenplay that predates the matrix that's proven? Is there any questions of the inserts that are there in that? And I sent you the graphics. I'm tired of playing the game. It's time to save the kids because this cabal is exploiting children along with intellectual property. And I gladly take the seat and say, let's drive this home. Let's finish this and free the children that Robertson has a sex ring connected to Michael Eisner of Disney with the FBI's protection. Now you have it. Let's end this game. And the trolls can scream all they want. He dyes his hair. He talks with a lisp, but can't understand him. He's narcissistic, really. I want to save the kids. What do you want?
0: Here, here, Tom. I think so. we've. I was just going to say, Bear. I think we've laid out an amazing way on, as an addendum to the first episode, how obvious your case is. It's right. Um, it seems pretty, pretty straightforward, really. Um, I was going to just touch a little bit on Matrix Four. Okay. Uh, because I watched it this week And that first act is literally Them just Essentially owning up that One, they can't create anything That that Tom, who is you Neo is you, in the film Who yep. now, and spoiler alert There'll be spoilers in here guys If you haven't watched Matrix 4, sorry, maybe go watch it And come back But uh, there'll be spoilers here But essentially in resurrection They're resurrecting the whole nightmare for you again yes. right Because they know you're getting close Yep. And so what they've done is they've rehashed we basically reanimated Neo, reanimated Tom as the as the sort of straw man and and so he comes into this reality thinking that he's writing this video game that it, it's so meta it is so meta it's like them talking about themselves and there's this montage where they want to bring back the they want to bring back the video game that is the matrix that he um designed in this New matrix reality that he doesn't even know he's in. And they have this whole montage where it's all these like, but instead of executives and fake writers in the Hollywood world, they're they're video game developers, but they're they're talentless total hacks without any creative uh, energy. And here we have Tom, who's Neo, who is completely tortured by it all. And they keep him like running on the treadmill, like he's this rat in a rat race. And he's he's kind of the tortured soul while they're completely ridiculous trying to make up all these stupid ideas to bring back the video game. And I'm watching this and I'm seeing how blatantly obvious they're just telling the audience of how they work. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and so,
0: yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah, just a quick addendum to that is we have to understand in the world of the dark occult, it's not just simply rubbing our noses in it, but there is a certain power in black magic to doing things out in the open in that way that they feel they gain, gain great power in that way. So, we have to understand the mindset of the magic which hollywood of course from the very start you know hollywood meaning the, you know the old magic stick and and that sort of thing so um you know this this goes very deep and also in in that world uh there's great ritualistic power gained from doing unspeakable things to children and Mm -hmm. so this is how a lot of this ties together so uh yeah uh mike and tom you continue well, on with that thread.
0: and it's interesting how they how they this is a really interesting side note about keanu because i'm fascinated about how keanu doesn't seem to age and in yeah. the matrix movie in this resurrection they talk about how he hasn't aged mm-hmm. and he literally it's like it's pretty fascinating i don't think they use much special effects So what kind of secret pact has Keanu made? What kind of technology are they giving him? Because in the end bear, and that they explicitly, and I think we talked a bit about on the first episode with Tom Althouse here, is that they're all about trying to extend their life as in any way they can to defy nature, it's all about defiance of nature. Uh, in any way they can, defying the Creator, right? It's very like satanic, Luciferian, and they literally talk about it in Matrix Four, right in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much so much dialogue with um, the actors that are like the, the new generation of the um, sort of the the people, and not in Zion, this new ta- this new city they're in, and how they're coming to find Neo, and they literally are telling Neo all this stuff like. And when you when you extrapolate what they're saying to him and relate it to Tom's story, it is them telling us the audience that they have stolen everything from Tom. They're mm-hmm. laughing in our face, mm-hmm. and this is the way it's going to be. And now we got to we basically got to accept transhumanism. We got to mm-hmm. s- accept that our now our future will be inter- engaging with robots. In fact, it's the robots that they come, the sentience they call that come and save from Zion. So their whole message now is hey, you're not going to be able to stop us. We are now going to transform you into this like transhumanistic world. And this is the new reality that we're playing with. Mm-hmm. It is very fascinating. While the movie sucks in many ways, um, I actually found it very entertaining looking at it from this perspective, knowing the reality of really what we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm.
2: That's really good, Mike, because yes, they were rushing forward Matrix 4 because we got a documentary team doing stellar work. And the timeline switched up a bit because the documentary team let me have as much time as I needed to let it all gel, to personally get involved in the facts and evidence to make sure it's fleshed out, understood. And that was really gracious of them. So the Matrix 4 rushes ahead. Keep in mind that Matrix 4 was gonna come out basically when Alder Carbon was gonna come out uh, when I was in Canada, the car missed me. And so they pulled the merchandise off the shelf and shelved it indefinitely blaming COVID. But the thing is that actually they pulled it because the car missed me and they killed Sean afterwards to send the message. We can get to your son, last son too. And so that's what they were doing. And uh, Joel Silver actually left Alder Carbon with the same premise I have in my piece that he wanted which was uh, the rich in in future have immortality, the poor is used as pawns. So you just hit on it. This whole piece is about the program. What does the program do? It makes a one world society. How does that one world society come to gel together? Well, because you're offered an immortal program where they solved aging and you're given a red pill, a bad pill that you're if you're offered, you are offered that. Nothing else, not bits from Alice in Wonderland when they threw that in as they're making it as they go along off the script. Well, in
0: Matrix 4, too, they extend the blue pill where he's now continually having to take the blue pill from the new architect, uh, who's the psychologist. So they really are pushing that whole blue pill thing. They're inverting your story. And keep going, Tom, but I do want to get an overall sense of what your story is about because it feels like you, in your story, you're calling out the demonic sort yes. of one world order And what they've done is they flipped it to make it so the one world order is
2: good. That's exactly it. Think of it making, they make the red pill good Mm -hmm. and the blue pill bad. And originally the blue pill is good. The blue pill comes from the blue eye, the blue, good, serene. The red pill was the bad pill, red shoes, red, you know, that kind of stuff. Red was bad. It's obvious. I was writing quickly and came up with that as a way to keep going to make sense how you enter the program. As a writer, I just used that as a device. It came to me. I used it and went on. Red, bad, blue, good. They go and take that as a deep state or shallow state and turn it around into the red pill's good. Reverse everything, right? Make Tom bad, make Keanu good. And so what you have is, yes, you've got the situation where in my screenplay, oh, first of all, Matrix 4 was supposed to be written as the world Tom Althouse created from their own words. The word world Tom Aldhouse created that came through their staff to me as people are starting to fracture off. So they didn't, they thought they could get away with it. They just wrote from the world. Interesting. Not so much for my screenplay at that point. So you're right. That opens it up to just mock Tom. Let's just mock Tom. And then their trolls are supposed to say, well, he's a narcissist. He thinks it's all about him. They're the ones that are making it all about me. I wanna be something that's for everybody and the world and we all work together to make a better world and the children are freed. That's Tom Oldhouse. They're the ones making it all about Tom. And they said that even their own people said that Larry is obsessed about you, Tom. That's why in that first graphic you had, my high school, my dad's name, my name, my Scottish clan name, my birthday then corrected as records it was in 1996, corrected in what? On the clock in Animatrix. So you got this. 7:259 birthday right on the clock can't be denied. Trolls have their work cut out for them. They look like idiots. What are they doing? It's right there. That's my exact birthday. Come on, guys, give it up. You lost. Your boss has already said you lost. You look like idiots. So right now, we're going to take it home with brilliant people. The idea in the screenplay was write a piece that whispers through art that warns that they're planning a one-world society. I know. I was being groomed for it, and I knew their plans. That society included chipping, where you can have a biodegradable chip put in you, the jack to the neck thing. Right? The idea is that that would disintegrate at different times, that people would drop off like this. Up, oh, not a conspiracy. There's nothing going on. They're dying of natural causes. They're dropping off at different times because that membrane's breaking down at different rate rates. Clever, clever. The red pill, the capsule, the jack the neck. It's all there for a reason. The train station scene for child trafficking, where the Wachowskis took it and said it's just a subplot no it's not just a subplot it's an author trying to reunite with his family again the little girl was taken and reprogrammed by robertson's group that is what it's about that's why a little girl points the son in the end reunited with her daddy not the freaking oracle they put neo in the uh scene at the end in place of the christ figure yes i have a christ figure it only makes sense historically that's the one that we're supposed to give all our uh taught often to give all our um uh faith and ability and free will over to when he returns, right? So the architect is going to be that thinking it doesn't exist. And then they face off identical figures. That's what it's supposed to be. The architect's mind is going to atrophy from lack of stimulation. So as agents stirring up trouble in the free people, the architect needs those free people to come out at the right time, but a biggest Oracle to see him come back as Christ. So he doesn't need the agents anymore for his mind to be stimulated because it's going to atrophy from lack of stimulation. If you're in a mortal program in time, and so what you need is something that'll last. Well, the total worship and devotion of the entire world, seeing you come back as Christ, that'll work, that fits. So that's the answer to balance the equation. Purchases his own agents like they do in Matrix. And you have the blend of Smith and Neo. Yes, yes you do. Because Neo and mine needs to use the Smith memories and f- to find the dome and it is a dome. Because the architect had a dome in real life. I actually use a historic figure Warner Brothers didn't wanna use that historic figure. Now they mock me for using that historic figure. So now they just call them the architect. Great, you didn't do a service to the audiences. They believe audiences are dumb and their trolls are supposed to prove it. They're not, audiences aren't dumb. I was starting to sway with everything going on but now I'm back on programs. I'm saying, no, there's some smart people out here. There's some gifted people doing great jobs. So the piece warns about a one world society and here's the idea now they're pushing it forward now because they don't want me to have credit for it because you might listen to what I have to say to warn people what's going on planned, I was being groomed. If there's gonna be a one world society and it's inevitable, the immortals piece addresses this, maybe we can make it a good one. If it's inevitable, let's make it a good one. Let's have good people wake up, use critical evidence, see what's going on and grab the reins and means and vehicles to take charge and make it a good one and free our kids. That's not narcissism, that's being smart. And that is playing the sandbox with others that are really good at it too. The whole code in the matrix, the whole code in this piece is for people to see between the lines, immerse their own life story in it and decide I can make a difference. I'm gonna come to the author of this piece and offer services to make a think tank to solve problems in the world with my particular discipline, each person's disciplines. They have a heart, cross disciplines. We can solve problems in the world. That was in my mind when I wrote the piece. Write something that draws the best in. They have to use critical thinking to figure it out, what it means. How many people know what the matrix means? How many really know? You can't really know from the stolen work. That's just images lifted off of this. Look at all the tabs. That's just images lifted off from this as the Wachowskis make it up on set with their juvenile minds. I'm gonna say it, juvenile minds, filling in the blanks with what they're familiar with, Alice in Wonderland, the train man from Ghost, and all this other stuff that's just garbage, filler pieces. And you end up with well, something that doesn't make they sense.
0: Use, also, they use the white rabbit because that's a major occulted symbology. That's right. That goes way back. So they, they have to stick that in there.
2: Look at Time Warner's um, symbol, the pedophile sign. Look at Mappa on Maui. That was a main organization that Joel Silver used to, when Disney took me to Maui. When they were recording me, I wasn't supposed to know about the ripoffs. So they were recording me at that time. Keep your enemy close, reward them and then pull the rug by supplying the honeypot wife. And so MAPA, Malik Academy of Formal Arts, again, the pedophile sign. You'll see it over and over again. This is not there by accident. It's planned because they're gonna have a fun time ruining the world and dirtying the innocent. That's their goal. That's what Sova showed me on the trip. He said that this sex ring was gonna use the church as a vehicle because the church is supposed to be about love. Well, that's nasty, let's get them out of there. Let's get these people out of there. Let's actually claim our sovereignty back, claim organizations back. And if we have organizations that are governmental protection agencies that are equipped with weaponry, listening devices, everything else, let's seize that back and use it for what it's supposed to do. Protect the citizens, not exploit them. There's this idea from the Pentagon that if you are a citizen, you are an asset of this country. Your intellectual property can be used to protect other citizens, to fund these organizations. That's how they look at it. So therefore, if they steal from you, they're only helping the citizenry to protect it. And if you talk and reveal them, they will kill your sons. They will murder your sons and let you know because you were preventing them from protecting other citizens. You're not letting them take your work. And what did that contact say on the phone to me? Why did they do this to my sons and me? Quote, you dare to face them down. What does that mean? Uh, Tom.
1: So um, go ahead, Mike.
0: I was just going to ask in this. So, in your screenplay, you say that there's this inevitable idea of a one world coming together. Now, do you mean not necessarily like the new world order or whatever, but this? Because I've said this, obviously, if we look towards the Where technology is going and where where we're going as a global uh people that eventually and there's great spiritual um Mm -hmm. context behind this and traditions that talk about the world coming together as a global sort of spiritual oneness right so is that kind of what you're getting at not necessarily like some global world order but that we all come together uh as as global brothers and sisters in harmony and, and this kind of kumbaya that, idea. That's what? the
2: heart of it, Mike. Yes, of course, that's the heart of it is that we are evolving now and art can help us evolve. Art can bring us together. And that was the intention of this piece. The Wachowskis wanted it. What did Gina Lorenzo say? Beautiful starlet, success, fame, money. Larry Wachowski is still hitting on friends of mine that are Hollywood connected women in the bathrooms. He's still a dude. Hitting on the women, using it as an access point. But the idea in the screenplay is that there will be a one governing body. The security force for that one governing body will be the CIA. That's why in the piece it's called Central. They come Central. That is what Smith is from. In fact, in the original work, The Immortals, we start off with a bang right at the top and they cleanse that out. Neo in this piece, the counterpart, Neo is a lower echelon department head for the CIA. And he sees what's going on. They didn't want that. They took that right out. They took it right out. He has a daughter. He raises the stakes. That's why the scene at the train station, he sees that daughter, uh, that little girl at the train station, which incidentally is supposed to be a crowded scene with people desperate to get their kids into a better life. Not well-dressed Indian couple, ragged people pushing forward please take my child take my child they did it in legend with will smith who was supposed to be neo they took it with that and showed it there and did it badly bad acting they did it badly they used up that story joel silver says on set in 2003 we hoped we used up the rest of the story that's why animatrix was made put all the pieces that were not lifted off that visual storyboard into a shorts to take credit for the things they didn't use up from tom's screenplay the images And i can go into detail on that sometime too But so what you have is a one world governing body. And if that's what we're going to have, then we make a one world governing body where we're in control of it. Artists who are known for their work. That's the big fear is that artists, all of us that are doing this work right now, we are fitted to help people set up a system that is what you just described based on benevolence, caring, things like that. Hopefully limited government. We can handle it. We're big boys and girls now, and we sure have been put through the fire. We come out the other end. We can handle working together for a better world based on compassion.
0: Yeah. Hopefully no
2: government. <laughs> Go ahead. Bear. I'm with you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the most, heinous,
2: Go ahead, Jeff. the most
1: heinous crime is to override somebody's free will. And of course, that's their version of one world, not... Uh, beings independently exercising their creative free will so can you uh tell us a little bit about your documentary uh yes, if sure. it's uh near pending uh, how much you're going to be able to elaborate uh you know without giving things away but um and are there parties uh you know willing to come forth at this time to be on film documenting yeah. everything that you're talking about
2: Yes, that's you just something very important. That's why you do the court of public opinion. I was advised by a Met Opera star, Richard Cray, and also one of the fathers of virtual reality, met with tea with me after the case was thrown. He said, Tom, they're crucifying you in the news. They're making sure it's all negative. You've got to educate the public, win the court of uh, public opinion, court of public opinion. I followed that advice ever since, that was back in 2014. That's what I've been doing. And then yes, people will come to you. You've got to even say it in Game of Thrones, Unless you're being successful a winning side, people aren't gonna come, often. There'll be a few, but you don't wanna see them suffer. So if you're the winning side and the other side starts fractioning, fractioning and falling off and turning, fragmenting on each other, now's the time. Now's the time when they're jumping out of windows, when Bob Iger gets fired. You know, a couple of years ago he did because we did an interview. Now's the time to come forward. And so yes, the documentary's got people in it, already committed. It's got evidence like we've been talking about Plus, you're gonna hear Lenny Coco on tape talking Uh, and you hear his relative from Ralph Rios and Associates saying, you're vindicated, you're vindicated, you're vindicated because she had him going to say, you're crazy, I never knew you. They told him he had to say that with his wife there present on that phone call because Mary Mespinoza on the tape, it says she called him twice. He said, you're crazy, so let's have you call. They set it up and uh, Lenny Coco, who was the one that what, Robertson sent The script too for Bonaventure, Bonaventure's best friend, connected to the firms that are gonna throw the case. Get this. He's saying at first, yeah, you're crazy, I don't know you, Tom, sorry, I'm crazy, I don't know you. I'm like, I wanna thank you anyway. It's on the tape. I wanna thank you anyway for giving me the chance and having this work submitted through you and that it meant one of the biggest moments of my life. Then he said, describe my wife, describe me, he said himself, describe my granddaughter that was present at the time, describe my home. I did all, all four of those. And he goes, okay, yes, you were here. He was told to say t- to me that I was crazy by the firm. And so you hear him go, you were here. My wife and I were just talking about it prior to the call. You know, last night we were talking, my granddaughter remembers you, they remember you pitching it. Yeah, done, deal, slam dunk, going in the documentary. And you hear their paralegal related to him that works for the Berkeley Law team, Linda Burrows from Warner Brothers, Tony Rankin who throws the case, brought in with a honeypot wife, and also um, Ralph Ria's associates who sends the relatives to Mary the daughter and the stranger for me forever saying you're vindicated, you're vindicated, you're vindicated, the documentary team was in tears. Wait till you see what we have, it's going in and it will be the most powerful piece ever. I'm not saying that cause it's got me involved. I'm saying it cause we're gonna free the children with something that's been blow away. And I believe there is higher powers that made this possible for the exact timing when it needs to be. So yeah. I'm excited for your documentary. I'm excited for this documentary. I'm excited to make people that have courage, that are doers. That's my circle now. People that do, that have courage, that have a heart, that's exactly what I wrote the piece to attract. That's why I wrote it in there. So the red batch is the red pill is supposed to be immortality, longevity and you talked about Keanu Reeves. That's why they would show that is because that's what the immortal shows. That's what they're going to use as a tool to bring a one world society under their control. If you're a top leader, you're offered this for you and your family. It's in the screenplay. It's in the screenplay. And if you accept you're part of that one world society leadership position, if you don't, you're murdered and killed and silenced and you've suicided yourself. It's in the screenplay.
1: Um, so with the game plan for distribution, which is key, you know, we just saw a, a wonderful documentary that was released 2000 mules and, and, uh, you know, the only way you can find that is word of mouth and going directly to the site. So, um, uh, we since are you're at- in the industry and you know more about how that works, um, how do you circumvent the powers that will obviously try to block it?
2: That's happening through the host situation. So this strategy has been put in place where we work with hosts like yourself to bring the word forward, first of all. You vet us, you see the evidence, we send it to you. You won't put us on your program if you've seen the evidence ahead of time. That's something the trolls can't get around. And so you'll see trolls saying, prove it to me, show me wrong, prove me wrong. No, we're not going to. One of the strategies is that uh, plants have been saying, give us all your work, Prove it to us. We're not going to do one-on-ones like that. You're just going to say you don't see it anyway. We're going to give it to the documentary and give it to hosts, and we're going to get the interviews out. Those hosts also lead to connections that lead to investors, also lead to uh, they get to be in the documentary if they choose to, clips from their work. They get exposure. We do a thank you to everybody that donated and stuff in the documentaries and the real-life film coming out and the film as it was written. So therefore, this is perpetuating a a boulder, an avalanche, a snowball, basically, that's rolling and getting bigger and bigger. As more people see the truth and the facts, they're shutting out the trolls and saying, this is real, people. This is real. There's passion behind it. There's truth behind it. And it's going to blow you away. That's what's happening. It's rolling this way. Their way is to try to take it individually and distract and dissuade. It's like now it's like throwing peas at a crowd. You're not going to affect the crowd Mm. anymore. It's going
0: that way, and you're you're implementing a sort of decentralized distribution, which is the future for going for anything. It just makes better business sense than dealing with this old school centralized, you know, backwards sort of distribution model that Hollywood's been pushing for decades. So uh, you guys are, I assume, are going to host it on your own site, right? And people and theatrical
2: release, a theatrical release too. They're looking at actually theatrical release. We're getting enough uh, people from the highest ups. In fact, keep in mind studios throughout Hollywood, their players have said it's common knowledge. The work was stolen. No one's supposed to talk about, uh, Tom Aldhouse or Diane Bellis. Diane Bellis is not supposed to be talked about the original head of the story department who, um, we had submitted through, uh, James Boyd in Norfolk. So James Boyd in Norfolk, I don't know where I put that piece. That thing I held up with James Boyd in Norfolk, that is, um, uh, he has on there Diane Bellis. Head of the story department on that letterhead. So they got rid of her right away, right away. And so they, and when I, in fact, when I talked to Diane Bellis, she had said, you know, um, in 96, three years after I submitted, she goes, you know, next time send it through an attorney so we're both protected. Well, we, I mean, through an agent, well, we, attorneys are better. And Diane Bellis was actually not at Warner Brothers. She was replaced. I didn't know it, but they had her pretend she was. So you can't find her. Look up Diane Bellis online. Remind us
0: who she is again. I know
2: you mentioned Diane Bellis was the head of the story department in 1993 at Warner Brothers that was submitted, the work was submitted to. So they made her disappear. Look her up. Look her name up sometime. Look her name up so you can find her. They made her disappear the same time they're erasing all records of me. That's why my birthday was changed to July 22nd on official records. And that's why the Wachowskis put July 22nd first in Matrix for my birthday. And then this in 2003 when those documents are recorrected, July 2nd, 59.
0: Yeah. And for those listening, you're showing the clock again from Animatrix, which we went over in the first episode with you. So when you were with Pat Robertson and you saw this and you came to clarity that the world is indeed run by sicko pedophiles and they use this that was your inspiration for then all of a sudden writing a screenplay? Had you had any background in writing? Had you, uh, we kind of, I asked you this question that, you know, in the first episode, I I went to film school. I took a class in screenwriting. Yeah. I know how difficult it is. Yeah. It's an art form into itself. So what led you to, what was the inspiration to decide to write a screenplay? I know you have some background in Broadway too, mm-hmm. but what was the, what was the, I know the inspiration, but what led you to actually think I want to write a screenplay, make a movie about all this and have it, you know, be written so well, where did this come from, Tom?
2: That's a great question. First of all, I, I don't know how I missed this one, but my records show it. I was a script writing grad student. That was the courses I was taking. Film, Got it. That's writing, a huge so obviously... gap
0: we didn't know about. Okay. Yeah, I, I forgot <laughs> to
2: say that. I actually, with all that we have, I forgot to say that. <clears throat> it's on my records. So you just raised something so important. And this is what's happening. It's so much evidence, so much The other side saying it's too much evidence. No, it's not. It's hard to look at what to get all the gold nuggets on the field here, but that's the natural progression. I mean, how stupid is Pat Robertson to do what he did when I'm his top student, uh, a student in a place that has a 50% attrition rate and I'm a screenwriter. Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty dumb with history and art background. So yeah, I actually felt called if you want to use the word called do this. I had an experience where that's where Zion comes from, where they mocked me about having Zion as an underground city, where I had a personal experience, one of those earth-shaking spiritual moments, where um, I believe this all started to form before I was at Robertson's organization, that I'd be going into a storm, into a place of darkness, and that uh, a cup would be given me that would not be taken away until the work was done. I'd be concealed and then revealed and joined by many other amazing hearts and creative people. That's why I put that call and code in the story. It was a promise, I believed, that I would meet amazing minds, amazing hearts, and we would be able to save, re-change this, change this world and take it out of the hands of the shallow state.
0: Hmm.
1: So, Tom, if your intention still is to release the original Immortal movie, you know, post-documentary, At this point, with all this experience (laughs) under your belt, you know, I mean, you've been through a lot of changes. Uh, How would that affect the script? Would there be a rewrite or would you keep it intact from the first write?
2: It's a great question, Dr. Bear. We have gone over this and we decided to keep it originally intact. One of the reasons we're keeping it original is because the other side keeps saying, they keep offering like Paul Anderson from Marvel Comics owned by Disney. Wachowskis were first gonna launder their work through as a comic book through uh, Marvel Comics. So Paul Anderson was there. Now Paul Anderson's trying to be a claimant and trying to say that he wanted to write a piece with me. I got email after email. They say they're coming your way when they think they're losing. Paul Anderson contacted me over and over on emails, texts, everything else saying, let's write a joint piece of Cyberman and uh, mortals. They want to blend. What they're doing is they're trying to entice us to do a blend because then it won't speak to anything about what we're talking about. It won't show the similarities. It won't show how the story actually ties together. So they helped us decide by sending people our way to keep wanting to do blends. That when Spielberg's guy, the same guy, this guy came to us, uh, Peter from uh, Hollywood, uh, Spielberg's main man, came and said, we want to do a blend. That helped us realize we need to do exactly as it's written, word from word, without any changes, so the public can come with a checklist and see all how it ties together, first of all have the experience they were meant to have, even though it's many years later, and also get to see all the matchups, how they're lifted. And when you put them back in, they composite into scenes in integral ways. I sent you a graphic with a guy with the headphones on, with a loud music playing, that's an original script, right? And he's watching green scrolling blips on the screen to navigate. Did they not use the exact picture from that description in the matrix? And we have a picture on that graphic I sent you of that shot, driver, headphones on, driving, green scrolling blips. There it is. A young driver is having a blast, operating the tunneler and playing loud music. He watches the screen showing the scroll, scrolling map in green with blips on it. And there's the very shot of that piece right there. Right there. Isn't that something? Other ones like the train station scene I sent you, they, they separate it. They take the liquid mirrors out of the train station scene and it's two train station scenes in The Immortals. They save money by making it one and they ruin the meaning of it. It's supposed to be crowds pushing forward to put their kids in for a better life. And they cheapen it to one well-dressed Indian family. You ruined it every which way you could, Wachowskis. No wonder you said it's just a subplot when people asked what it meant. Because in it, it's supposed to be a little girl being pushed forward by ragged people. ragged people, like I said, desperate to get their kid into a program where they may have a better life where they can't follow but actually they're gonna be trafficked. The Wachowskis took every meaning, every morsel of meaning out. They just wanted credit for the imagery so they can make their career. Larry's Ladder, he called it. Hmm. Did your
0: your script have this sort of sci-fi action? Because there's a lot of big action sequences in these, a lot of like kung fu fighting
2: and stuff. Did you have that? Well, it has the the fight scenes and things like that. In fact, Elysium lifts it when they throw the case. Warner Brothers does Elysium, right? And they have the shard of glass cutting out the enhancer out of the back of the neck that's ours that's ours too and uh so the action scenes really the action scene at the end that armageddon thing where the uh, the um machines fill the horizon that's where joel silver said he definitely wanted to do the piece he wanted that piece and says he bought it with his own spec money this the screenplay that's before the wachowskis are even involved he's buying it with his own spec money and the cover story is that he claims that the wachowskis showed it to him after 1995 um when he you know why do you wait all that time after you failed as writers so what happens is joel silver loves the battle sequences the wachowski say they love the concept of the jack's the neck right there they even said we want to do jack's the neck for real well if you wrote it you wouldn't be saying that so there's jack's the back of the neck all through this piece the neural link
0: that kind of connects to neural link i've got the graphic up here for those listening uh you can go check out the video um on be sovereign or uh odyssey youtube but uh, it is interesting how they use sci-fi to then kind of, um, you know, do a subconscious sort of uh, entrainment on then what the reality tech they're going to try to bring out. Or really, it's the unreality tech. So, of course, I see Elon Musk as an actor, of course, yeah. as a front man for the, the, the New World Order, whatever you want to call it, the technocratic demonic system. And, of course, they have him right now playing as this fake savior, <clears throat> excuse me, with Twitter Mm -hmm. and all that if you if you guys can't see through that it's
2: it's like come on man well that's what i'm like i want to have a debate with him i do want to have a debate now it's interesting that hollywood says yeah you're the evil one tom you're like they're giving me lots of like pointing fingers like you said during matrix four they're pointing all the fingers at me i was to be groomed so i'm supposed to be an example of being punished but you can't play it both ways so i would like to have a face-to-face online sometime with this actor who's groomed to take the work, Neuralink. He doesn't. He doesn't articulate it. He doesn't talk about the pros and cons of it. It's all through this piece. This just handed them everything in here about the Neuralink and the ramifications and the good things involved too, like helping Down syndrome, or, uh, people who have um, Alzheimer's. You know, the library of memories, which uh, Christopher Nolan took from Universal into um, Interstellar and ruined the scene with a little girl. So, do you have the train station graphic?
0: Uh, I will. Yeah, let me look for it in a second here.
2: Um, but you're right. I, I cannot wait to see Elon Musk revealed. And that's why, like I said, in, in Iron Man 2, they give him a special feature. Warner Brothers is showing him on their movie, in their movie with, you know, Tony Stark, because they want to give him more exposure and credit like they do Keanu Reeves. They're inside men, they're cover men, they're faces. What was I to be for Robertson? The face of the Christian Coalition. What does Elon Musk do? The face of the new tech they've stolen off the work.
1: Tom, while Mike's uh, looking for that, you showed us a, an image of Spielberg with somebody on this. Yeah, uh, yeah. On his shoulder there. Who is that character again? I forget uh, which name he was. Well, he
2: switches his names. They like to switch names around. Like in uh, Animatrix, they have Tom Park, Althouse backwards across the screen, perfectly mm-hmm. lined up you lined up. So his name excuse me, is um, Bradley Marcus. That's Bradley Marcus with Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was the main guy going after me in this whole thing along with Eisner and Robertson. He was, he never stops. Like I think we went over the thing where he did the graphic in uh, Minority Report, Captain John Anderton, we did that, covered that, right? And Sean dies and Saving Private Ryan with the names Sean and Daniel, Sean and Kirk Daniel, my son's killed. Spielberg's gonna go after me forever and actually is directly related uh, his top man to my brother who's estranged and working for Disney. So this man, Bradley Marcus is actually in his alias We have the records of his alias as Marcus Bradley. So Spielberg and Joel Silver employed this guy who works with a Saturn Awards, Saturn Awards given to the Wachowskis. He also works, is big friends with Christopher Nolan and the other ripoff artists in this, and the star, you know, different people and players of it, like Lawson and stuff. So here we have Mar- Bradley Marcus, who attacks on our personal sites and business sites all the time under the foe Marcus Bradley. See? And so on and on, he'll say Rankin, he even says Rankin gives five-star service. I sent you that graphic. Rankin gives five star service. He says, Tom Aldhouse, you are an egomaniac, uh, the narcissist thing, right? And says that you're, you know, attacking uh, whoever they want to say. So he is the front man for this trolls. This is Bradley Marcus. He's a wannabe writer along with his cousin out in Hollywood, California with the Saturn Awards. And so you'll see him with many, many pictures with Disney and things like this. His job is to destroy my reputation, and his reward will be he already has it preempted on his or preloading it on his um, resume. He says, writer for Universal Studios. That's where the work went, as you know, with Ned and Judy Nankovich, along with Disney, for Joel Silver to get. So he wants to be a writer for Joel Silver and he's already announcing he is a writer for Joel Silver. By the time he didn't have any work, he's going to be like, Becca Northcutt's record was a sponge when she was done. This man gets a writing deal when he's done. And so he has been instrumental in doing this fake ID, Marcus Bradley, to contact friends to turn him associates get on my personal page and then he slips up he slips up badly in that graphic i gave you the one time they slip up and look how far this goes they they go up with this thing. i'll just hold it up just so you have this graphic Marcus. Well, Bradley let me uh let mistake.
0: me find the graphic because uh we can't or i can
2: stop well so here i'll tell you why it's important the guy slips up and gives his ip address it's under time warner he slips up and gives it. they always slip up don't they you can they show it. You right. can show it now, Tom. See the IP address? Marcus Bradley, right? Marcus Bradley. And what's and his, his, there what's in, the
0: message saying here? He's talking smack.
2: Well, yeah, listen to this. Here's what they want. This is what Spielberg once said. Joel Silver wants to have said. The truth, and see if this doesn't sound like the trolls. The truth, Mr. Matrix Althouse Summers, Heart Tours, Egomaniac, is that you are a fraud and a phony who bamboozled the entire populace of Maui into thinking you are a decent person, you know, personal tax. You have defiled me and the great Mappa. You need to cease and desist and leave my dear friend David Johnson alone who is working with Joel Silver. Don't take it out on me, you weren't in Macbeth, get it over it, Worthmore's more like worthless. So all personal tax, what's interesting is David Johnson on Maui, the pedophile ring that Joel Silver has also with Robertson through Maui is Mappa. And they have the scrolling thing symbol, there's like Warner Time Warner. And what you have is David Johnson is rewarded after I lose everything. They reward him with his daughter's name, Annika Johnson. Get this, Annika Johnson is a very unique name, right? So what does he do? Joel Silver owns Bates Motel. Check out the cast list for Bates Motel, the character list. They make Annika Johnson, the one of the main characters as a prostitute, in Bates Motel, franchise of Joel Silver. That's how they do rewards. They put your names in. Is that incredible? Annika Johnson of David Johnson of MAPA, who Bradley Marcus is using Marcus Bradley, fake, fake thing, right? Like crypto pirate. And they're doing this and saying all the talking points narcissist, fraud, never mind the evidence, never mind the truth. Never mind the losses that we've all suffered, but we've all gone through through this fire that we've come out and emerged as wanting to help others. They say this. Now keep in mind the IP address. The IP address has since it slipped. I have a friend. What I did to defeat Mike Lang's strategy is share the copyright with other good people who are artists. So I shared the copyright with some people, and boy did they go through it. Instantly, cars are pulling up outside their homes taking pictures. They're also free to Babson's accosted. At um, Gatwick Airport and by Interpol and everything else, because bomb excel expel- has been sprayed into her carry on. Because I've got, she has a thumb drive of the messages of Mike Lang to Becca on it. And it's in even the Daily Post. This is how big it gets. They don't want this out because Mike Lang made the thing all the way back. So the Pentagon, my friend Niels Hensie up in Canada, the picture they see the car come up and take pictures of everything else. And after I put them on the copyright, sharing it with me because that defeats Mike Lang's strategy. The strategy for Disney is let the authors die or help them die and then push through the court of your choice, the venue that you actually own ownership. That's where Dina Laurentis, that copyright entry comes into play. Yeah. Those copyright entries I held up.
0: Yeah, we talked about that there. on the
2: first episode. Right, so um, this yeah. I, yeah. So this IP address, this uh, friend of Neil Hansi at the Pentagon starts researching and then comes a top brass, member of the top brass saying, stop right now, whatever you're doing or what you're doing, stop right now what you're doing. They didn't want Marcus Bradley's IP address discovered belonging to Bradley Marcus. Mm -hmm. That's how, that shows you the connection between the Pentagon, the FBI, Disney, Warner Brothers, Joel Silver, Pat Robertson. Like you said in the beginning, Dr. Baron, that wonderful intro, elegant one. It's all there, it's all tied. That's how far they go. They don't want this story out. They don't want this screenplay shown. Yeah. And this one right here. Thank you for and, putting
0: and, it up. And then and then connected to good old Spielberg, of course, he did uh minority report, yeah, which is a Philip K. Dick remake, but he throws in Captain John Anderton in there.
2: <laughs> um That's right. Then, right. Yeah. That's yeah. my dad's rank, captain, dad's rank in the Navy, Captain, John his birth name, Anderton again, Look at Spielberg does there, as you're pointing out. Anderson from Matrix, obviously, our Scottish clan name, is tweaked with a T for Tom. They all have to be one more step clever than the other, don't they? They have to be more <laughs> Look out, stacked in there. And then, again, pre-crime. Spielberg is putting in a graphic for a split second, just like the entry in The Matrix, right? Split second. And what's going on here? Tom Cruise's character, Captain John Anderton. Wow, what a coincidence. Captain John Anderton, Tom Cruise this character is going to be put away on basically essentially a 302, which I've been hauled off for many times now by the FBI. 302s for what? Revealing them, which means you're going to be committing murder, mass murder. So they just have to have somebody, a family member paid to say it. They got my sister under Brian Fitzpatrick, FBI, lifelong FBI operative and congressman who gives her all kinds of rewards, black titans, blah, blah, blah. So pre-crime, Spielberg does the movie about pre-crime Tom Cruise is going to be a pre-crime put away for pre-crime because his son Sean has been murdered and we know that my son Sean was murdered after this movie was made so Spielberg's committing a pre-crime I would pose to you pre-crime by doing this he's saying Tom's son Sean is going to be murdered we're going to do it and we're going to put Tom away on a 302 with the FBI because he's going to do what Tom Cruise's did he's going to commit a pre-crime because his son Sean was murdered let's give him his dad's rank let's give him his dad's name and let's give him his dad's Scottish clan name with a T to add the emphasis to make it more clever. Is there any questions?
0: Wow. Wow. Um, and then of course, for those who still uh, are questioning who you even are, there's your ID, which you sent us.
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so your birth 7 to 1959 which is- And look at once the again,
2: clock. Re- Yeah, let's look at the clock again.
0: Yeah, Seven two,
2: one before the 60, one before the 60, 7259. And the red hands, Mike, four past the four. They have to get the age in, right? Yeah, I got the age in. It's on the first graphic, TA 4099 in the big big letters in, column, in the column. I was 4099. And then you've got this one, four past the four, 44 in 2003. That's right, Wachowskis. Every hand specifically placed, there's the age in red, there's the exact birthday, 7259 in black.
0: Yeah, um, here, here's the graphic we're talking about that he keeps showing on his phone here, so.
2: Uh, there it is, those. right from Animatrix. It's a static shot in Animatrix. Yep. Why would you so spend all that money on that?
0: Pretty wild, and then of course, here is the, uh, the train scene yes. pulled from your script, but of course, done in a totally different, you know, tweaked way
2: from what you were saying. Yeah. Look at that a well-dressed indian couple alone because that saves on the budget it saves on the budget the story it, do, it doesn't propel the story and they say it's just a subplot look at their faces the guys that wrote this and so this is what they had the honeypot wife show me so they wanted me to go forward and go to rankin they wanted me to be controlled snowed at the statute limitations so i'm not biting i don't know what's going on so they send me the honeypot wife and she goes look honey There's a little girl at the train station. Look, the little girl pointing the sun. This is your work, isn't it? They wanted me to be led by the honeypot wife, access to evidence, right to Rankin, classmates of the lead attorney for Warner Brothers who meet in Disney World. And he comes back with a full staff, renovated um, boardroom, kitchen, everything for his offices. Is there any questions?
0: How did you meet the honeypot wife?
2: She came to me. I was doing improv on Maui, among other things, tours, improv. So suddenly this woman, Nor- Rebecca Northcutt, shows up as a student of the improv group I'm part of. And next thing we do a show and she's volunteered herself to be part of that show, shows up on stage. And then she gives me her number afterwards and says, I'd love to go out with you.
0: And so this obviously was your other relationship was over because you had previous relationship yes i was you. long over
2: long over yeah, she was yeah. a robertson girl so i had a robertson girl for a wife and i had a disney girl for a wife or I ex-con
0: it was wow. mike
2: lang's pocket went went to mike lang back to him on my birthday
0: so how how long did it take for you to realize then that this was not a um sincere partner
2: well, they play it, they gaslight. What they do is they play very, very sweet in the beginning. I love you so much. I'm afraid you're going to leave me. They, they really know what they're doing. They profile people. And that's what I've been told. And so what happens is um, she was actually going to leave us in uh, 2009 uh, before we met with Rankin. So she's in play for four years, access to evidence, everything else. And what happens is in 2009, that's a statute of limitations for Matrix, 10 years, 1999, 2009. So she announces to Aiden and I that she's not in love with us anymore and she's going to leave us. But then she, this meeting with Rankin occurs, Tony Rankin, where he comes where I'm teaching also at the YMCA. I wanted to contribute to children and families. So I was teaching families how to swim. So here comes this attorney I don't know. Northcott does. And she comes in here. He comes in there and starts coming with his kid, Dax, named after the character from Star Trek, starts taking these lessons where I teach parents to teach your kids. And so for three days he's there and then he doesn't take any more classes because he's got it so that on the third day he's asking me to come to his office. I heard something about you, I wanna talk to you about it. So Becca goes with me to his office, doesn't tell me that that was her landlord. And we have this meeting where he says, I'm gonna put $100,000 in and help you get justice for what you did, lost and everything. And I'm gonna put 100,000 and get a top copyright lawyer too on the team with some of that money and see justice for you. All lies, all lies. And we left that meeting, Becca suddenly announced that she really did care about Aiden and I. She was in for the rest of the con. Wow.
0: And I noticed that girl, so, uh, the, real quick Bear, the girl on the, um, that they use on the train station, she actually is brought into Matrix 4 as a uh, grown-up. And course. she says, I've been watching you, Tom, this whole time. She tells him. No,
2: that, no. She said that?
0: I'm pretty sure she says that because they bring her in and he sees her and, yeah, so.
2: Okay, um, hold on one second. Hold on. Let's go to the end of the screenplay. <laughs> if this doesn't seal the deal. I'm pretty sure I'd have to just revisit that. I believe you. I believe Uh, you. Look at the screenplay. Here's the final one. Remember George Michael? Uh huh. Let's go a little bit up. We watched you, Daddy. You did? I wanted to tell you it was okay. You did well. She points to the sun, son of Christ.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. Watched you, Daddy. So,
1: Tom, when were those Maui years? Was that, uh, did you see in the later 80s? Or was that I was sent that,
2: there right? in 2002. I was introduced there by top okay. musicians and Disney was the one that was really making it happen. I didn't realize that. So I had Disney courting me, giving me position, everything else, just like they did with the daughter. Then she got to be anchors at ABC news, produced line producer, everything. She doesn't, she's not well mentally, but they took her and gave her top positions. Disney's owns ABC news. So top, top thing on the Wahoo. And so for me, they brought me into Maui, um, uh, what is it called, EL Theater, the historic Maui Theater. And so they gave right off the plane. Mm-hmm. I'm given uh, dinner, I'm given a place to stay at the most expensive um, uh, bed and breakfast uh, on Maui in Wailuku, Wailuku, um, whatever it's called, bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm given position at the theater. In comes the Disney auditions things. I'm given a lead in um, Matt and the Fantastics. And I'm, t- I'm just groomed and groomed and groomed by Disney. Then they pull the rug when it's statute of limitations. They pull the rug when they bring the honeypot wife in and everything else. So I'm supposed to be dependent on her, you know? And so I formed my own theater company. And that's where Bradley Marcus comes in. Marcus As Marcus Bradley, he's supposed to trash the theater company I started to make sure I lose friends, that I don't have my business succeed. And he has instrumental, always been instrumental. So I think it's really amazing that we see him right with Spielberg and with the Saturn Awards that were Mm given to the Wachowskis and in position listing himself as Universal's writer, I think the game is over.
0: And in Matrix 4, they, that's essentially what Neo's being put through. It's like he's, his own business partner you find out is actually the agent, right? Uh, Smith, and who's somehow kind of morphed into this different kind of creature now, but that's, he doesn't even know the whole time his business partner is like his arch enemy.
2: Um, All right, you ready for this? You yeah. ready for this? In the screenplay, of The Immortals, I'll get the page later for you here. It is the Smith character that brings back Neil. Keep in mind, this is after they got all my screenplay drafts and all my notes and everything through the failed court, through the faked court case. See, that was to get all my materials. They threw the case, they threw statute limitations, and then they had me go forward with an attorney who was ineligible to practice law. Here it is again, Tony Rankin
1: all right
2: ineligible to practice law since 1990 through the case ran out statute limitations for two and a half years to make sure we then stipulated that we would go forward when it's too late and had all our information so joel silver gets it all they get all our information and they get all our notes and drafts and in those drafts they got and in the original pieces where they say they have none on tape that's for the documentary they can't get away from it they said on tape we have no working drafts mute point as for discovery fraud no due process, we'll be back again in the court. And you don't have any drafts, you can't get backtrack now. So what they did in the in my original work, what I have, is that when Neo was brought back out of stasis from the pods, he's met by the Smith agent because the architect wants him to orientate him into his new life, because the architect needs stimulation of the mind. They're not allowed to take each other out. They hate each other, but that's how also he feeds him. Your, your last living little girl is still alive, but you're not allowed to see her. course he's gonna see her of course he is but that's what that's their business partners how incredible yeah they have no brain they have no
0: brain they totally put that in matrix four and in fact that is sort of smith's main drive right throughout the film is that um he wants retribution from uh the machine system and that he wants to have yeah so it's yeah they just it's right there it's all there the movie's not great but it's definitely worth watching if you after watch listening to the show guys um maybe there's a torrent somewhere so you don't have to give them money to watch it and just go pirate it uh (laughs) because i hate giving money to warner brothers
2: the policy that they're trying to do too like remember they said use up the rest of the story joel silvers quoted as saying that in 2003 on set we used up the rest of the story and he also says we hope when we watch we watch the rushes it'll tie together you don't know if it'll tie together the reason they're saying use up the rest of the story is they don't want anybody to watch the real piece made. And in fact, they have Sophia Stewart and others calling now all the time as handlers saying, no one's going to watch your film. It's already done. Well, if it's already been done, then you stole it. You just said there's matchups. We go back to court. So they're just, it's it's over. They're saying you can't make this. There'll be an injunction on you. What, for matchups? Then you just proved our case.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They They're over. kind of. Dug themselves in a hole there and I think people would, I think there's going to be this reemergence of an independent um, uh, film, you know, decentralized ecosystem of creators that because of technology we can make films with at a lot less expense so we don't need the big Hollywood budgets I mean special effects are so cheap to do now, you can shoot on an iPhone. Um, you only need a, a very small crew. You don't need the big celebrity actors. and you can go make these kind of films at a very much slashed budget and then distribute them, distribute them without the big Hollywood machine and and you can actually do real innovative new, like authentic stories. And that is going to be the future. And I think when we when you do and I'd lo- we would love to help in any way, Tom, to make this feature film, Um, I think people will come in droves and it will be explosive and it will be a grand success. I really do.
2: I I accept the offer. I would love to work with you guys. It feels like home. It really does. You guys have the courage. You have the heart. You're exactly what I was writing for to draw, to meet. And so that's what's going on. A circle that wants to make a difference in our world. And boy, you've already proved that. You're doers. And so the idea was definitely in that piece to gather people like that. And it's interesting too, because they said, you know, no one will watch the story. Like you said, people are gonna come, love it or hate it, both sides. They're gonna to want to see: is it true? Are these images there? Is it real? What was originally copyrighted? They can check with original copyright. The full script will be released. You can check it as you go. You know the way
0: I see it, there's three films here. So you have the documentary film coming out. Right. You've got the actual uh, uh, theatrical release or the of the scripted film, and then you've got the film made of your life. And That's I think the, the film made of your life will probably be the biggest hit because it's crazier than any fiction.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah something. That's what attorneys in Hollywood are saying too. What you just said is, um, you said it better, but they're saying like they get goose skin, goose bumbles, whatever it is, bumps, whatever, over the real life story. It's like they tried, to, they even brag, they put the author in his own story. Look, and you just surprised me with what Matrix 4 has. So yeah, they put the real the author in his own real life story and what? like we said, they, they, that's our territory, isn't it? I want to work with you guys. That's our territory. You just put us in our own world and you entered our own world. We controlled that world, guys. Well, we. I, know, got I
0: it. know you interviewed with Sean Stone and he's supporting you. And of course, that's Oliver Stone's son. And I can't think of a better director if he had the balls to make this film. Because Oliver has a fantastic aesthetic in terms of like... Uh, you know, breaking down really complex real world scenarios into very entertaining media like the JFK movie, uh, you know, uh, the Doors film. I love those films. It would be amazing if Oliver could actually get somewhat attached to this story if he had the balls to do it. Um, that would be extremely powerful. Um, we also do have a film background here. Uh, there's three of us in, in, our, in our organization and our fa- little family outfit here that have experience making films, writing films, direct, directing films. So anyways, uh, very exciting to be connected with this because I do feel this is the future where we can go with entertainment based on truth, based on real heart, you know, resonance, uh, and it, I'm actually very excited for the future. I know, guys, listening, this could seem dark. People, you're seeing this, but though no, this is the great unveiling. This is the great unveiling of, of the old system and the new coming, birthing out. So
2: yes, yes, and Look um, what we're done. yeah, good, Dr. Mayor.
1: and that's the silver lining in all of this, and we see it happening everywhere. It's authentically or organically um, expanding. Out of the darkness, because obviously it didn't work. You, you can't just hold down creativity. You can't down, hold down powerful spiritual beings. And all of us now are finding each other mm-hmm. after we've uh, independently created our own platforms. As Mike said, we have, uh, you know, a wonderful circle of influence ourselves. Uh, we're all part of a decentralization mechanism, and everything from entertainment to information uh, uh, to medicine to uh, actually helping people understand um, law based on natural law. And all of these other systems that are helping us develop, even though they're trying to control us, were, of course, uh, from the get go designed to control. There's nothing organic or or authentic about it. So here we are. And a lot of us have uh, suffered ordeals through it. Mm -hmm. But I think it was a necessary step to come full circle back to the way things were supposed to be in the first place. So Tom, this is amazing. I look forward to uh, a long association with you. Uh, I'd love to see you up in our neck of the woods someday, you know, if you ever just need to chill out and and, uh, jump in a river and have a nice little retreat in nature. You've got a home here any time you like. I'll tell you
2: what. I'll tell you what. Different documentary teams came to me and I knew which one was right. I've been on different Mm -hmm. shows. I have a show coming up uh, later on today. But you guys resonated. And I've always talked to Aiden about returning to California. I would love to work with you guys. I got 15 other screenplays too to do later. But we wanted to form studios. We want to do this stuff. We want to see this through. The positive thing for people is we've mowed them down. They're being mowed down and they're turning on each other. Mm -hmm. And my last son is such a leader now. He's such a leader. He grew up with all this his whole life, like that video shows. And he's become such a calm, steady leader. You know, It's almost like he's seen his dad throw all the passion out there and fight this fight. And he's been this calm central beneath all that to lead his generations. how old is he tom how old is he tom 15 now 15 taking he's like the youngest 10th grader ever like in his class and he's taking advanced placement college credit courses and he's doing soccer piano you name it he is amazing and that's from a mom who was a prostitute and didn't want him and he's mine and it's just like yeah so with me so i do want to come to california i've always been wanting to do that we want to have him safe so let's talk more because i would love to work with you guys i work on this premise if it feels right I go forward. That's how I survived. Yes, right. I would love to meet you guys in person. Love to work with you guys. And let's finish this job. Let's do stuff. You're you're blowing my mind with what you're doing. I would love to be a part. So let's talk. And thank you to your audience too for, you know, um, I know it's a lot to swallow. That's why we're doing a documentary. And I hope the documentary will blow the doors off and the real life story, uh, which you guys are a part of. Thank you for
0: red pill, red pill by the way, and that's in the show notes. That's where you can get most of the information on when the doc and all that's coming out. Is that
2: correct, Tom? That's right. We'll be putting on there also on Facebook, Twitter, things like that. You'll see Tom Alt has a Twitter. And uh, my Facebook is actually maxed out now, which is amazing because their whole tactic is go and sway people away. In fact, Oliver Stone, by us mentioning him, he's going to be contacted by people from uh, Matrix who'll be contacted from other trolls. And so don't use him, he's evil, he's not. But when he actually sees the evidence, there's, there's a good chance, yeah, it could happen. So thanks for actually looking at the evidence. Thanks for checking critically. You know, who am I? What do I have? And including me in the family. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. You are family.
2: Thank you.
0: Yes, days. thanks Tom and I hope everybody uh, listening, watching this uh, that's resonated with this will share with their friends and family and help us get the word out. Really in the end, the future is our, our, our children. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what I know Tom's all about. that's what we're all about. And like my youngest son wants to be a film director. Yeah. and you know, it's like let's let's shepherd in this new generation and there's so many they're obviously grooming the children. Any way they can with this trans agenda, this woke agenda, everything on corporate, you know, television and in the corporate schools. And there's a huge community, our community for one, that are pulling our children out, out of the out of the schools, shutting down the the demon flicks and the Disney app and all that stuff, and removing our children's minds from this dark sort of grooming system that they're trying to develop. And Tom, I know you get that. So let's create the beautiful art that our children can be involved with and enjoy and, and really shape the new world. So uh, thanks again, everybody for joining us. Please go follow Tom, support his work, RedPillRising.org. Uh, he's accepting donations. Please support him in any way you can. And um, yeah, we really look forward to this documentary. We will make sure to announce it, support it, promote it, get it out. And maybe Tom, uh, you might, I don't know what sort of, um, model you want to do for you know um paper play or whatever but i got some ideas for you i can talk to
2: you about uh see, yeah. happens. it happens it it hits us and it just organically forms and it's just right and it blows the competition away yeah so yeah yeah I there's a lot of really reading, cool
0: models yeah. that are just way better than what hollywood does good hollywood I, weird does I, so. I'm,
2: I'm there guys i'm there yeah. I, I would love to see aiden safe and work with you guys so i'm there thank you for what you do Thank you.
0: Thanks, Tom. Okay, uh, thanks, Tom. everybody, thanks for supporting us. Uh, you guys are such a great community. You can, if you're new to our channel, you can join us at, uh, on Telegram at uh, t.me forward slash AlphaVedic or on Discord at alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. You can find out all about us at alphavedic.com. Uh, soon we will have be up on Cordal or you, can, you should go to cordal.org. We will have our site up there as a redundancy. Uh, as QApps launches, we'll have e-commerce up there and all sorts of cool stuff that is completely immutable, completely unstoppable. We'll make sure all of Tom's content gets up on there. Very exciting times. Uh, we are forging forward in ways that uh, are just the normies have no concept of. <laughs> so, okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the in the dirt. Uh, Go for a walk. Mother Nature is our best guide and she will always ground us and bring us back to who we are. Love you. We'll see you next time. Cheers.